Welcome to episode four of Travel Time. We're talking today about Ketchikan and Misty Fjords in Alaska. Ketchikan was the first port of call on our nine-night Alaska cruise that we took on board the Disney Wonder. We had a really nice day in the port. We vote Ketchikan is the southernmost major settlement of the Alaskan Inside Passage and has the largest number of totem poles in Alaska. Some are over 100 years old. Some more interesting facts about the city. It is actually the fifth largest population for a city in Alaska. And it was named for the Ketchikan Creek, which flows through the center of town and empties into the Tongass Narrow, just south of town. The creek served as a summer fish camp for Clinkett natives for many years before the town was established in 1885 by Mike Martin. Mike Martin was sent by an Oregon canning company to scout out whether or not the town would be a good place to have a canning operation. And a he later became one of the key canning areas in the in the area, canning salmon. We started our day in Ketchikan off in port with a boat tour in the Disney. It was a Disney excursion and it was called Misty Fjords and Wilderness Explorer in case you're taking a Disney cruise and want to try to get the same one. It goes about 22 miles outside of the town to the Misty Fjords National Monument. It's about 22 miles east of Ketchikan. The area includes sea cliffs, steep fjords, uh, rock wild walls. They all rise about 3,000 feet just straight up out of the ocean. Very beautiful. Um, the area is also covered in thick rainforest. The largest, it's the largest wilderness in Alaska's national forest and the second largest in the nation at 2.3 million acres. We only went to the part that borders the sea through this tour. Most of, most people access it via water or via plane so that not many come in through land because of how it's set up. We bought, so we boarded our catamaran. It was close to the ship's dock, just an easy walk away from the ship to another dock that had the catamaran ready. And we enjoyed a trip over to Misty Fjords. Um, They narrated, told us a little bit about the area during the trip, during the 22 miles from catching the monument. They, um, they go pretty at a pretty decent speed there. It's not a like slow pleasure cruise type pace. It's a getting, it's in a getting there kind of pace. So during that part, we, um, heard them talk a little bit about the area and there was a snack bar on the boat. One tip we had is we, a lot of people were going straight for the outside seats. We sat in the inside seat mostly because of when we boarded the boat, but it ended up being a really good thing because Inside the boat was a nice respite away from the chill of the wind from being outside and a little bit of the drizzly rain, like the misty drizzly stuff that was around. We had a lot, there were a lot of people that were outside that would frequently come in and just kind of stand around because there weren't any more seats inside. And the nice thing with us is we could get up from the table we had and a couple of us could go outside for a while and come back in. And it was nice to have kind of a home base that wasn't outside. The snack bars, you're just a pretty basic snack bar, but it does have some kind of lunchy kind of items on it as well. And there are some souvenirs there, but they're very kind of kitschy and like cookbooks and things like that. You do get to taste them later. I'll talk about that a little bit. And they do have a couple of the jellies that they sam- that they let you sample at the snack shop. So we entered via the Bem Canal and sailed past New Eddystone Rock. New Eddystone Rock is an iconic view in Misty Fjord. You see it a lot of times when you see pictures of the area. It's a volcanic spire that comes up looking like straight, almost straight out of the ocean. The amazing thing was there were like hundreds of birds on the rock 
and it's kind of a little refuge for animals around the area. When we went through, it was low tide. So there was actually a little bit of a beach around it, but they said at high tide, it actually comes up right around the rock. We sailed through Rudyard Bay. Um, the bay, a lot of pieces of the bay were carved by ice and we were enjoying the cliffs. Normally, I guess there are torn, tons and tons of waterfalls in the area. And when we visited, Alaska was in the middle of like a two week long drought, which was unusual for the time of year we were there. And almost every waterfall was dry. One cool thing we did see was there were seals resting at the base of some of the cliffs. Highly advise bringing binoculars on a trip like this, or really, if you're doing an Alaska cruise at all, bring binoculars. You'll have plenty of opportunities to use them. The seals, even we were fairly close to the cliffs, it felt like, but they were little black dots on the sand at the bottom of the cliffs because everything is such a massive scale. And in the binoculars, you could see them up close and it was several seals kind of hanging out there but you could almost not even tell they were seals from the boat itself. So a little bit about what to wear. We wore um, hiking pants or longer shorts and dressed in layers. So we wore, I think we wore t-shirts because it was a pretty warm day, but we did bring jackets and we definitely needed the jackets, especially when we were outside on the boat. I would really advise layers. You hear it all the time when you're planning a trip to Alaska, whether it's a cruise or to the mainland, and you definitely want to dress in layers because you can have one part of the day that's very hot and you can have another part of the day that's very chilly or misty and rainy, and it can all happen within a couple hours of each other or just by switching locations. Definitely pack layers when you pack for that tri- a trip like this. So Clinket Storytellers actually joined us on the way home. And the snack bar at that point served some samples of Alaskan treats. They had served like a kind of chowder, and they served some salmon, and they served some different crackers and things with local jellies, which were really tasty. And it was, that, of course, was a huge hit with my children. They um, just really, I recommend this excursion because the scenery is beautiful and it was a really enjoyable trip. I don't know if very young children would enjoy it as much because there's a, there's some waiting while you're sailing out to the area to look. But my my kids definitely enjoyed it. They were middle school, high school age, and they enjoyed looking at all the scenery and hanging out and were old enough to, you know, chat and talk and entertain themselves on the way up. We uh, docked from this stuff from that trip and we still, that trip was only about four hours altogether, maybe three. So we had at least half the day in port still to go that we could explore the port on our own. So we walked from the dock to Creek Street. I will tell you that pretty much everywhere in the main part of Ketchikan is walkable. For the average person, you can get around pretty easily in Ketchikan. So we walked from the Dr. Creek Street. It was just a little bit up the hill and um, up, up a set of stairs. This is one of the most popular things in Ketchikan. It's an antique boardwalk that's kind of built over Ketchikan Creek. And basically it was easier to build a lot of structures over the water of the creek than to blast and level out things to build. So you find that there are several structures through there that are built up on basically on a dock or boardwalk, I guess. Apparently this is normally a really good place to see salmon. As I mentioned before, we were there in the middle of a drought. So the salmon running season was running behind a bit. A lot of salmon were kind of gathering up at the mouths of creeks and rivers and couldn't get up the creeks and rivers because they were too low from the drought. So if you are there and you're not in a drought, Apparently, that's a really good place to see the salmon. It was basically just some shops with standard tourist fare. A lot of things I had read made this sound like a can't-miss place with lots of great shopping. I don't know that I would agree that shopping was great. There was some local artistry-type or artisan-type shops there. 
but a lot of them were just kind of the normal t-shirt shops you see in a kind of touristy area. Creek Street used to be back in mining days and the cannery, the height of the cannery days and things like that, a red light district. And there were over 20 brothel type houses on in the area. There's also a trail that goes near there that's called the Mary Man's Trail, which was basically like a way for people to sneak into the brothels without being seen on Creek Street itself. It's it's kind of colorful and unique. It's great for pictures. Um, it's very picturesque. The other thing I thought was interesting was during Prohibition, I guess it was also where the bootleggers um, deliver their goods. They used the creek when high tide came in and they would make night deliveries and sail in. And most of the structures had some kind of trap door or false bottom in their floor that they would open up and take the deliveries up through the bottom of the store or the shop or the house. So I found that really interesting just from the historical aspect. So we walked on back towards the ship. It was a fairly easy, doable walk, not terribly steep or anything like that. We were kind of in search of Wi-Fi because my uh, two kids wanted to just kind of check in with friends and say hi. So we stopped for ice cream at a place called Polar Treats partially because they advertise free Wi-Fi and we wanted ice cream. So the ice cream was fantastic. I would definitely go here for ice cream again. It was wonderful ice cream. And the Wi-Fi was not so much good. It was very weak, which it often is in a lot of places in Alaska. (laughs) But um, so if you're picking it just for Wi-Fi, you might want to look for somewhere else that might have a stronger signal. But the ice cream is well worth the stop. So I would highly recommend it there. After the ice cream, two of the four of us were done and kind of walked back to the ship, which was only like a block away at that point. And my youngest son and I shopped a little bit. There were some some souvenir souvenir shops right by where the ship docked. So we stopped and got a couple of little souvenirs. Just before we were boarding, there's a monument to Ketchikan's heritage right by where the ship's docked, like right next to the boat that is called the Rock. And it's kind of cool. It pays homage to like the history of Ketchikan. Six of the seven figures represent kind of an archetype or a broad category of people. So there's a fisherman, a logger, a miner, a bush pilot, a frontier woman, and a native drummer who kind of represent all the people together. The seventh one is an actual historical figure. It's Chief Johnson, a Clinket who stands atop the rock, symbolizing all of the Clinket people who were the first nation to settle the area. So they were the first settlers in the area. That was it for Ketchikan. We boarded, had a, um, very, we were very hungry for dinner. And I believe that was the night we had crab legs and our server discovered that my kids adore crab legs, especially my youngest. And, um, from that night forward, every night there was at least one crab leg delivered to my son, whether he ordered it or not, which he did, he just loved, but it was a great day. Uh, We were tired, but not exhausted at the end of it. And the excursion was well worth it. I think that excursion was about 225, 230. If um, you're looking at prices for those kinds of excursions, most of the Alaskan excursion, if you haven't been to Alaska before are more expensive than like a Caribbean excursion. So kind of be prepared for that or pick and choose what you want to do at some point when we eventually go back and do another Alaskan cruise, which we definitely will, because this was an amazing experience. I think we'll probably do There are two store excursions that we would look at, probably the Wilderness Exploration and Crab Feast or the Rainforest Island Adventure. Both do some wilderness looking, explore the rainforest a bit and an end with kind of a crab feast. So which I do not eat crab, but my family loves it. So we'll probably do one of those two the next time we come. In our next episode, we will visit Icy Strait Point in the town of Huna. And actually, one of my sons is going to join me to share some of his thoughts. That was his favorite port, and he asked if he could join, so we're going to have him on. Until then, happy travels.